Avatar The Last Korra. I think you mean welcome to Avatar Smackdown! <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, we're doing Earth Rumble 6. We're, we're heading to the, the Earth Kingdom for some Smackdown. Oh, uh, and yeah. we're gonna meet We're going to meet a bunch of wrestlers. We a bunch were... of uh, Earth wrestlers. <laughs> oh, God. We've got so much to cover. In this We've got episode. so much good shit today. I'm really happy with what we're going to talk about today. Really? Um, oh, I, I have a lot of like things that I like, but let's, you know, let's hit it. Let's just start with like the good shit, the good, good shit. Okay. Uh, we're talking the blind bandit. <laughs> yeah, everyone's apparently favorite character, Toph. I mean, not that I don't love Toph, uh, but... Damn, yeah, like, I didn't know that this is where we were heading. I didn't know that we were heading to a point where you're just like, uh, Toph is overhype. Uh, no, Toph <laughs> is extremely face. hype. Toph, Toph is, is very Toph, hype. Toph deserves all the hype. Uh, but she here. Um, the, the sass munchkin. Sass munchkin is here. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, like, this is a new character that we're adding to the team and this is her her introduction mm-hmm. what, what do you think of it generally um i think it's great i think especially in uh i i think we'll see it a little bit more um post these episodes but i think toff being added to the crew adds a dynamic that was kind of missing in a lot of different ways um and and i think she fills the role uh that you know, is not necessarily typical of a character uh, with her traits, which is kind of exciting, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a, a lot of people talk about Toph, uh, you know, as being a character with a, a major uh, disability mm-hmm. that uh, is relevant to her character but doesn't uh, act as a weakness right. to her character. And, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. But, like, more so than just her, you know, you know surface level traits her abilities and whatnot i think just for the dynamic we oh really yeah needed a character like top yeah uh in retrospect um like we need somebody who's a little more hard-edged because all of our all of our boys they're such softies they're all really soft uh, we got a lot of softies on the team <laughs> like uh you know and they really highlight that with Sokka in this episode and that's how how the episode opens yeah. is with Sokka styling he's because he's a he's shopping soft boy Sokka be shopping uh <laughs> treat yourself Sokka treat yourself <laughs> he gets a nice new purse that he has some buyer's remorse over and eventually uh comes to love and appreciate <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like a joke about him being like less masculine than than his front is, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure if I you know I'm totally on board with yes. that joke, but uh, but I mean it is very true to his character. We were talking about this last time. He's the stuff guy. He, he likes stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got his boomerang. He's got his ponytail. He's got his his other stuff, and he he needs. He, he needs a bag yeah. to go with that, to carry all that stuff. He's got so much stuff. Um, and he's also very pragmatic, so he'd be worried about, you know, coinage. <laughs> um, what were you saying? <laughs> um, there's a lot of just, like, great one-liners in this episode. 
you know? I, Big time. And I, I feel like a lot of that comes from, uh, you know, the fact that it's like a, a wrestling parody episode, basically. Um, which I, yeah, I, big, I think that's a big, big part of it. Yeah. yeah, it's just like the setting lends itself very well to a lot of like just real quick one-off jokes. And I think it's totally the perfect way to introduce this character who's like so like take no shit, like throw me in a ring with a bunch of burly ass dudes and I'll kick all of their asses and like you know just like that like really good visual juxtaposition. Um, it just works so well, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think the the first like one liner that I picked up on was just this guy walking around with uh, with like flyers saying, "Hey, you you kids like throwing rocks," and I'm like, "Is that a euphemism kids for something? Is that drugs? Is it drugs? Throwing rocks and eating dirt." <laughs> Right, uh, it, it, but apparently it's just an ad for uh, for earthbending school. My um, my favorite uh, one liner is is probably um, when they first hear about like sort of the like wrestling competition from just like these two dudes walking by, and they're like, "Hey, where is that?" And they're like, "The island of Nunya, Nunya business." It's just so stupid. I mean, that was the first time that I ever heard that joke, nope. but it is such a such an old joke. It's just, it's, I can't help but laugh at it. might be the it. oldest joke. <laughs> we did it. We found the It might the be the first joke, joke anyone ever came up with. Uh, it's just, it works always, and it's good. <laughs> and then there's a great um, moment so yeah. with Katara after that. <laughs> so yeah, um, the, the, the gang buys a, a you know, a, a bag, and then they discover an earthbending school, which might be the perfect place for Aang to learn earthbending. Spoilers, I mean, it's, it's not. literally a school for it. <laughs> Turns out it's not. <laughs> Turns out it's not, but they go, and uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those uh, buy your karate belts yeah. online kind of things. <laughs> so, you know, all the, all the losers that you've ever known in your life who say, oh, yeah, I'm a black belt in karate. <laughs> I know kung fu. Yeah, they went to, like, a place like this. Yeah. Um, with, uh, you know, Master Yu, who's just a profit-motivated uh, kind of... Shady guy. You know, shady teacher guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so they overhear these dudes talking about, like, earthbending WrestleMania and are like, oh, shit, we gotta get in Earth on this. Earthrumble 6. Earthrumble 6. Um, I always forget the name. <laughs> yeah. It's not really important. <laughs> um, and... You know, Katara, I, I just love that there's a lot of, like, juxtaposition going on in this episode, like, all over the place, you know? Um, like, we've got, like, tiny-ass, blind young girls facing down, like, uber-macho men. We've got, you know, the juxtaposition of, like, Toph's parents' expectations for her versus her reality. Um, and there's this just great little joke where Katara runs after the dudes who sort of blew him off to be like, hey, strong guys, like, a girl has her ways of getting information out of them, but then it turns right. out that the way is just violence. And I don't know, yeah, I enjoy she, that. Yeah, she just, you know, hangs them by their toes and sticks bamboo shoots up their fingernails. <laughs> Uh, you know, she just tortures the information out of yeah. her. Very Jack Bauer. Yeah. Um, Listen, Katara, she can be a softie, hey. but she's... Oh, she can be a she's softie, got but grit. she's not, you know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying she doesn't have the edge as her aesthetic. Right. Edge, 
Edge is not her aesthetic. It's the, it's part of her character that she would go, "Hey, strong guys," and sort of Fuck you up. know fake flirt before the the pounding comes. Um, <laughs> Toph would just pound anyway. him. Yeah. Toph wouldn't wouldn't fake no shit. Yeah. Um, were... Anyway, now we're at, at Earth Rumble Six. Yeah. Now we're at like a WWE meets underground wrestling, and it's literally underground, <laughs> so that works. And it's it's um, like such a smart use of earthbending too. You know, like it makes so much sense to sort of make that kind of connection. You know, because like I feel like it'd be harder to have like a water bending like i mean you absolutely could you know you could do this with any element well, we, we have it it's just pro bending <laughs> i mean you know pro bending has all three yes so yes pro bending has all three but it's like the worst for, it's like if someone made wrestling the most boring thing on the planet which like you and i both agreed earlier that it was not bad and that it would actually you know was was kind of an interesting game to watch but whatever <laughs> moving on <laughs> It's I think always... you've just gotten so sucked into season two that you can't remember that Cora is not all bad. And I'm going to talk to you about that today because okay. I I, I kind of like uh, you know Night of a Thousand Stars. Oh I think it's boy! Kind of a good all right, well we'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of wrestling tropes, uh, and it's it's great. It makes sense. It's a bloody harsh sport i mean not that we see like blood it's a kid show um one one trope that i wanted to sort of call out um and maybe this is just because mm. i've been watching like a lot of glow recently um but i noticed maybe for the first time that the fire nation guy has like a russian accent mm, which yeah. is just like uh well because he's just supposed to be like the heel right you know? yeah like, exactly wrestling yeah like he's, he's so, i mean he's the the wrestling bad guy, which means like he's the Russian, but like yeah, no one else well, yeah. from the Fire Nation ever has any accent that's anywhere close to that, and that's fine. Yeah, I, also I don't, don't need think he it even to. knows the real. I don't think he even knows the real Fire, Fire Nation accent. national anthem. He starts singing "Fire Lord, my flame burns for thee." <laughs> that's true. I don't think that's the real song. Oh yeah, I mean again, not critiquing it. In fact, just it's loving it. It's great. I also love that uh, the badger moles are used as, like, Zambonis to, like, Zambonis, clear yeah. debris. It's just, like, there's so many, like, cute, fun, like, world-building moments in this episode. It's so good. Yeah. I, the, you know, you got a lot of new wrestling characters. There's a big guy who looks like a hippo. His name is the Hippo. Mm -hmm. There's a mole guy. There's a guy who has weird face paint. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to know his story. Like, what is your, what is your gimmick supposed to be? The, like, like, spidery a... guy? No, he, he wasn't very spidery. Mm. Is he a spider guy? I don't know. There's some weirdos. Like spider guy. Uh, but yeah. But uh, you've also got the boulder. You got the boulder. A.K.A. The, the rock. I mean, I mean, I think they couldn't get... I don't think they figured out how to get uh, the guy who plays Kronk on the on the show. <laughs> I think they tried to get him and they couldn't get him because the guy's just doing like a bad impression. Really, I, mean, I think he's. It should have been Kronk. But it should have been. Isn't he just trying to do an impression of The Rock, like The Rock's wrestling? That's not what The Rock sounds like. But isn't that like I don't know? Is that his like wrestling persona? I don't. Yeah, know Yeah, it's supposed about... to be like The Rock. Yeah, but but he's not doing a, a really. Okay, if he's trying to do an impression of The Rock, he's really bad at his job <laughs> as a voice actor. I think he's trying to do the Kronk voice, and, it, you know, it's pretty funny, but, funny. Uh, you know, nobody does Kronk like Kronk. That's true. Um, 
But yeah, so basically the boulder's trashing everybody. Sokka's loving it. Aang is like, none of these people are my earthbending teacher. But this is kind of fun. Uh, and then Toph comes out and kicks the boulder's ass in like 10 seconds. And we get the... Yeah, wait, I want to break down yeah. like the visuals here. Because yes. they are so good. They're like, so good. The visuals are on point. The echolocation have, like, animation a... is just right. excellent. Right, you have like a, a you know a close up on Toph's face, which is just totally emotionless. Like she doesn't even care, <laughs> and then you you really understand like exactly how this you know seismic understanding of the world works, and you you're seeing it from all different angles mm-hmm. and from you know low angles and high angles uh, to see what she's seeing, and then you have. Uh, <laughs> You have, like, Aang in slow-mo, like, looking from one side of the uh, arena to the other. And you just have the slow-mo of him blinking, because this is all happening in a blink of an eye. Yep. And then, once you cut back to real time, the sound all comes back in, and, you know, we get a really cartoony reaction from the boulder, who's just had his entire uh, attack completely disarmed, (laughs) and he's forced to do the splits. Yeah. Um... Yep. And he screams in, and, in agony. And then he pain gets knocked right out of the, the ring. And he loses. Yeah, in, in one move. And, you know, it's a callback sort of to, you know, Boomy telling Aang that he has to find a, a teacher who waits and listens. And this is literally somebody who has to wait and listen. Yeah. Because that is how they see. Um, she also laughs at the boulder. And it's the same laugh that Aang heard from the girl in the swamp. And he's like, oh... It's her. Right. But, uh... Right. So Aang decides to face her in combat, and, uh, he beats her with airbending, so the, uh, the guys who... The guy who's running the, uh, underground wrestling match ends up thinking that it's, uh... They, like, faked it to steal the winnings, um, but really... It was just airbending, but nobody knows well, about it. he did it. cheat. I mean, he cheated. Yeah, So, yeah. I mean, it's totally fair that they go after him. But the whole kidnapping thing, yeah. and then, like, um, but, oh, we paid your ransom, but we're still not going to, you, you know, go. release your friend, because the Fire Nation will pay, pay more. Cause I, so I'm also a traitor to yeah. my country and to the Avatar. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's not a great guy, Jin Fu. No. Uh, There's, like, not a lot of great guys. Adults sort of suck in this episode. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, and also like the kids, you know. Remember the the, the handsome boys who. Oh yeah. You know, so so not a lot of good people in this town. No, it's just tough, basically. And even she's kind of a jerk. <laughs> it's jerk down. Um, but yeah, so, so Toph is pissed off and won't talk to Aang, so they're, like, asking around town about, um, the, like, flying pig that Aang saw, and, uh, so they find her super rich family, who's, like, (laughs) her dad's supposed to be, like, the wealthiest guy in town, and, like, everyone in town is like, he might be the richest man in the world, um, like... (laughs) <laughs> which you know grain of salt but uh <laughs> he's he's lauded uh but he's like embarrassed and ashamed of his daughter because she's blind and he thinks that she's really weak but she's not she's, but she's keeping it a secret so like you know you could read that in is kind of whatever you wanted to 
um, there in a metaphorical. <laughs> what are you trying to read into? Like it? she's gay, you know, but oh. like yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely in there <laughs> in terms of the connotations, but it's uh, it, it, like they're trying to make it mostly be about her disability and overprotective parents, you know, helicopter yes. parents. He's a, he's a, heli- he's a helicopter. Right. Parent. Um, so, you know, Aang is like, I'm the avatar and I'm here to see you, sir. But really he's there to see Toph. And so they go yeah. and they talk. I and... love the line. I love the line where the, the, the parents ask Aang like, when do you think the war will be over? And he's like, well, I'd like to have it over by the end of the year. <laughs> by the end of summer specifically, not even the end right. of the year. It, like, it's just so casual like how he's just like yeah you know that's how i do uh, but like that <laughs> the hundred years war <laughs> i'm gonna finish it up by summer no big deal um yeah and there's like a cute dinner table scene where the kids are like basically pranking each other like one-upping and like getting more frustrated yeah well they're they're like kicking each other under the table but because it's a big table and because they can bend right you know the elements but also it's uh you know a lot more extreme <laughs> right but only the gang knows that Toph can bend earth and so everyone else is just kind of like the avatar is weird <laughs> <laughs> well actually i mean they know that she can earth bend she's been taking classes but like they um, say like only basic forms and breathing techniques that doesn't mean like oh you're right you know yeah. Like, like, basically, they think, like, maybe she can move a pebble, but, like, it's a little yeah. more than that. I, I just, like, you know, like, kicking somebody under the table in, like, an awkward social situation is such a classic trope. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see this in every family sitcom. Ever. And every, like, you know, in every, like, teen Movie. drama. You know, yeah. like, it's such a trope. Uh, and they just put this fun twist on yeah. it. Because... Of just the universe that they're inhabiting. Yeah. And I, I think that was really a, a big strength of the show was it, it was just taking tropes that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't doing anything extraordinarily new. It was doing WWE and, <laughs> you know, awkward family dinners. Right. But it's it's in this elevated way. So right. So that's what I like about the show. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, like, Aang and Toffer on a walk in a garden. She explains her power. We all go, ooh, neat. And then they get kidnapped. Um, and so they have to go right. rescue them. And the wrestling guys are like, all right, you paid up. Here you can have your daughter back. But uh, we're keeping the Avatar because we are going to get double paid by the Fire Nation. And everyone is just kind Boom. of, like, okay with that. <laughs> Except for, like, Sokka and Katara, yeah. obviously. Um and, you know, like, Toph's just, like, leaving with her dad. And then they're, like, help, please. And her dad's, like, no, she's small and weak and fragile and you can't. And she's, like, yeah, I can't, dad. <laughs> and then she, like, kicks everyone. Can't tell me what to do. Dad. <laughs> um, so then she kicks everyone's ass and it's amazing. And uh, her teacher, who's the greedy, like, school guy, uh, makes the comment, like, she's the greatest earthbender I've seen in my life. Um, yeah. Which is like, damn, what a way to introduce a character, you right. know? I think that, yeah, I think that it's it's really interesting because you'd think that it would just totally upset the power balance to introduce such, like, a, you know, a, a powerful bender into the group. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at this point, Katara is a master waterbender, uh, you know. Hang's uh, a master <laughs> airbender. 
airbender, so you need, like, a master <laughs> earthbender to, to be part of the group. And it's not like she's invincible. Mm-hmm. Like, she's definitely stronger than, you know, a, a large group of earthbenders, but her weaknesses are mainly that she's, she's small. If you, you know, get the drop on her, you can pick her up, and then <laughs> she's pretty much... You know, a lot more useless. Right. Uh, she can't see attacks from above. Yep. Uh, because she can only sense things from the ground. And uh, she has rage issues. She has emotional weaknesses. Right. So, I mean, I don't think that this character is, like, super OP. No. Like, not at you know, all. some other characters that you might introduce would be. Yeah. Um, no, I think she's great. And, but, and she uh, continues to develop, which, like, is an exciting thing that we'll right. get to see down the line. Um, but so, you know, they're, they're back at home and dad, and she's like, dad, this is who I am. Can you accept me? And he's like, I realize I've made a mistake. She goes, oh my God. Yeah. And then he's all like, I gave you too much freedom. You'll never leave this house again. Getting kidnapped. (laughs) Not on my watch. (laughs) <laughs> Which is like the stupidest takeaway from everything. So she- yeah, but I mean, is it is it believable? Yeah. Like probably. I mean, if you have a super protective father and you find out that your daughter has been secretly, you know, participating in bum fights, basically, <laughs> like you'd be like, oh god, I have not been monitoring you very well. Yeah, but then when you find I should out, take away your phone. But then when you find out your daughter's been like winning the bum fights, you're not even like a little bit impressed, you know? Like, like you can be impressed, but then it's still just like, wait, so okay, so you learned how to fight the bums from giant talking moles? Is that That's is it. that what happened? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't like any of this. This is not good. Uh, but yeah, so Toph runs away um, and demands Sokka return the belt to her, which he does, but she he throws yeah. it, so it hits her on the head, and uh, that's and Sokka and Katara to. have a sort of a knowing look, yeah, uh, where they they know that Toph is a runaway. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, that's how I I read it anyway. You know, she says like, "Oh my, my dad, dad changed, changed his mind,", his mind yeah. so. But, like, they kind of look at each other, and it seems like they know yeah. that she's just, you know, glitching um, out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Aang knows. He's not in the shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, but I, but we but do see a reaction from him. Um, and I, I agree. I don't think he necessarily knows. Um, you know, I think he just sort of trusts her. Like, Aang is a very trusting person sure. in general. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so interesting thing about this episode and the following one is there's no B-plot. It's just all... Well, yeah, because yeah, cause they split it, yeah. is basically what happened. Like, they probably could have split this into two episodes. You know, one that's just entirely the, uh, you know... The first half. Earth Rumble, and then a second half that's entirely, like, schmoozing the father. Oh, that would suck. But, uh, and then intercut it with uh, Zuko alone. That but would instead, be so they did Blind Bandit and Zuko alone, and all the better for it. I oh, mean, yeah. These are two of... I mean, it really feels like the season has properly, Begun. you know, reached its, you know, rhythm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first four episodes, you know, you heard us talking about Swamp. It's a lot of Swamp, setup. Not my favorite episode. Avatar Day, complete filler. Yeah. Um, you know, before that, it was kind of a weak opening. You know, yeah. it might even be that this is like another... Uh, you know how like animation sometimes has animation cycles that go across seasons? This might have been the start of like a new animation cycle. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, in any case, this is a huge improvement. I mean, it's a marked improvement. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, we are definitely, like, neither of these feel like filler. You know, they're both very plot-heavy. One is right. the introduction of a major new character, Aang's earthbending teacher. Um, and the other one, Zuko alone, which we'll get to, is just this, like, deep character study. Uh, like, a, it's a short story, basically. Um, it's Shane. You, it you is know, Shane. You know I wrote that down. that book, Shane? <laughs> It's Shane. It's definitely Do you guys Shane. know Shane? Shane. Shane is a story, for those of you who don't Shane. know, Shane is a story about, like, a, a, you know, a young farmer family and this, uh, you know, this cowboy type, this loner sort of comes in from, uh, it, it comes into town and lives with them and he's got a shady past he won't talk about. And then he, uh, you know, murders one of these, uh, you know, bad people in town. To protect been causing the a ruckus. family or whatever. To protect the family, and then, so then he says, I gotta go, and then he just leaves, and then the kid yells, Shane! Come <laughs> back, Shane. Shane! Well, the kid at it's the famous. end of this one definitely doesn't yell, Zuko! Come back, Zuko! Uh, yeah, I think they just thought that would have been too on the nose, yeah. and not tragic enough for Zuko, I, I guess. this boy cannot guess, you know, catch a it, break. Like, Shane isn't the main character of Shane. The kid is. Yeah. And uh, in this one, Zuko is the main character, that's so I guess true. that's the main difference. Yeah. So you've gotten a, a quick little like overarching plot thing, but Basically, this episode is all about details. I mean, yeah. like a lot of good stuff it's going a, on in this episode, and it's all in the little moments. It's a very so let's, quiet let's, let's, let's episode too. You know, like there's not like yep. a ton of instrumentation. Like, like there there's a lot of moments that they just sort of let sit with you, which like that's bold for a children's like half hour TV show. You know. Like, yeah. you you have to keep kids' attention to earn all those commercial breaks. And, like, you're trusting the kids that, like, nope, we got this story, you're going to like it, and you're, like, you're going to watch all of it. And they were absolutely right. Like, like it pays off. Right. But But I think it's absolutely. it's something that a lot of creators are scared to do. Um, so I, I applaud Avatar on doing it. <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, so so Zuko comes into town. That's that's how it starts. Well, yeah, we you we know, see like, like a, a few a few scenes of him sort of like starving in like the wastelands of the Earth Kingdom, um, and we actually get like yeah. a, a little foreshadowing um, where he's gonna rob. Yeah, there's a pregnant there's lady a pregnant that's lady. gonna be in. She uh, comes back in later. Pass. Yeah, he's gonna rob him, but then she's pregnant, so then he doesn't. Because um, this episode is also about mothers and. It is. Mother figures. Yes. Which is weird because typically Shane is about father figures because Shane is like a surrogate father to the kid on the farm. But this one's about mamas. Yeah. Um, what happened to Zuko Mama? <laughs> we don't know. Read the comics. I still haven't read the comics. <laughs> I have no idea what actually well, happens to Zuko's I mean, it's mom. all pretty much... Oh, yeah. I, I guess there's a bunch of bullshit in the comics about, like, uh, somebody stealing her memories and so she forgets. I, I don't so know. It's not important. That explains why she doesn't go back to the Fire Nation <laughs> after her son becomes the, the king. Uh, Who you know, knows? The, whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, herself. Zuko rolls up into town. He doesn't have enough money for food, so he just gets two bags of feed, and I guess he's just gonna eat horse food, because... Or eat the horse. Or eat the horse. Um, the or excuse me, the, the ostrich, ostrich horse, horse or whatever it is, um, the chocobo. It is. Uh, the chocobo. And so he's uh, 
some kids throw some eggs at uh, the Earth Kingdom soldiers. And there's a there's a pretty like cliche confrontation where the the soldiers think that Zuko threw the eggs, and so they go like, uh, did, you, "Did you throw that egg? You throw no. an eggs at us? Did you see stranger? who did? No. And is no your favorite word? And I wanted him to say no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and then they said, uh, you know, hey, well, the egg had to come from somewhere. And Zuko says, well, maybe a chicken it flew, flew over. over. And I wanted them to say, chickens don't fly, you idiot. <laughs> but in this world, they could. Like, you know, you just crossbreed well, that chicken. they don't, though, because you, you saw the chickens are half uh, pig. pig. Well, these uh, everything's chickens. Everything's half pig. That's true. In this town, all, of all the animals are, are half pig. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> Which sounds delicious. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds very exciting and like a world that I would love to inhabit. <laughs> just all the, the wish fulfillment delicacies. of this show did not start until there were pork versions of every <laughs> animal. Um, yeah, so so you know, the, uh, I think a lot of the work of this episode is also kind of showing that um, you know, like there's evil people in the Earth Kingdom too, and I think we're seeing some of that with. Um, with with Toph in the previous episode too, with with the the wrestlers who are the antagonists, you know, like the Fire Nation hasn't really been a huge antagonist in in these two episodes. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's you know absolutely true. I mean, there is conflict wherever you go right. in the Avatar universe. It is a rich tapestry. Yes, it is a it is a fucking fleshed out world where there's good people and bad people everywhere there's good people in the fire nation there's bad people in the earth kingdom uh there's sexists at the, in in the north pole. pole there's you know we haven't met any bad airbenders yet but um, there's but, you know there's only one time. of them there's <laughs> only one of them um so yeah well i mean you could say like the bad airbenders are the ones who wanted to like rip ang away from gyatso you know like oh yeah absolutely yeah uh, never mind forget what i said yeah there's absolutely bad airbenders already <laughs> yeah so yeah we're 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 in, yeah you know it, it's just continuing continuing to add nuance and this is an episode all yeah. about nuance um so you know the yeah. kid is glad that he doesn't get ratted out and so to thank him he brings him home to the farm where, uh, you know, introduces him to his parents, and the dad's like, oh, I need help fixing the roof, and uh, we can give you a hot <laughs> meal afterwards if you like. Well, there was, a, there was a really funny scene before that. It was maybe the funniest scene in retrospect that I, in the whole show f- for me, uh, just because I didn't realize it was funny before, but now I do. So <laughs> they introduce the kid, and it's like, the kid's name is Lee. And then he's like, so what's your name? And, like, you could see oh, yeah. on Zuko's face, like, oh, oh shit. shit, he stole my name. <laughs> God, if I say Lee, they're going to think I'm just copying him. God damn it. Fuck. Oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And then he just goes, eh, you don't have to tell us your name. <laughs> and he goes, oh, thank God. Uh, it's just so funny. So he just doesn't have a name <laughs> for the whole episode. Yeah, he's the man with no name. Yeah. It's, it's literally a Western. It's, it's, it's so funny. And the entire aesthetic of, of the whole episode is just so rooted in Western. You know, like, if, if we're talking WrestleMania last episode, it's just, like, Clint Eastwood, like, pure Western going on here, you know? Right. So, yeah, so he's he's fixing the roof. Um, and, you know, they, they talk about a man's allowed to keep a past to himself. 
Um, and there's a, the kid keeps asking questions and Zuko ends up hitting his thumb because he asks about his scar. Um, and then we get a lot of... Also, he's just so dumb. He's just bad at, at manual really labor. You bad. saw his, like, shingles. Yeah, they're like, bad. This is a privileged fuck. I mean, like, Toph is privileged. Zuko's real privileged. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. He's royalty, he's, so he doesn't. He has never lifted a, hammer a finger in his life, in his life yeah. to to do manual labor. Right, like um, like he's athletic, you know, but he's not like a laborer. Uh, so so yeah. So then we get a bunch of flashbacks to his traumatic childhood, where Azula proves to have been a bitch forever, um, and teases him about his father potentially killing him, and about Uncle Iroh being like a pussy because he lost his son and left the war. Because he was sad about it. Uh, And, like, you know, we get to see more of her being, like, a prodigy and teasing Zuko. And, like, Zuko really not dealing with it well. (laughs) Um, And and we get to sort of see Zuko's relationship with his mom, too. um, Which you were mentioning earlier. Do you feel like this humanizes Azula more? Or just makes it out to be, like, she was always a psychopath. She was destined for this. You know, this is what she was like since the beginning. I think yes or no. Like, there's a couple of small moments. Yes or no. I, I said yes and no. Um, like, like I think there's a couple of small moments that sort of humanize her, where we see, like, you know, like, she, like, some of the things are more innocent than other things. You know, like, putting an apple on her friend's head and then, like, making Zuko tackle her to save her. You know, like, she... She, it's like mean maybe but it's it's not like the most horrendous thing a child has ever done um and like there's a couple of moments where like clearly you can see that she and her mother just like do not see eye to eye and like don't understand each other and like you can see that she's kind of jealous of Zuko's relationship with their mom I think um right which like that's a little humanizing but like she really is just like a huge fucking bitch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, she's not a good person. She's um, just, like, awful. Um, she gets a present from her uncle that's, like, a doll, and it's like, sure, she doesn't like dolls. Like, we all get bad presents from our relatives. Right. Uh, especially the ones who, you know, never see us and don't really know us that well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to light it on fire. <laughs> Right. Though, I mean, I would even... Uh, yeah. It, it's the sort of thing it's where it's like, you can sort of see where she's coming from sometimes, but her reactions to, like, her supposed injustices in life, which is, like, not being close enough to her mother or, like, getting a, like, a gift that doesn't speak to her the way it should, like, are just so exaggerated and, like, evil, you know? <laughs> Um, like, she literally taunts Zuko with, like, Dad's gonna kill you. Like, <laughs> I don't care how mad. Well, he is. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally what he wanted to do, which was, yeah. I mean, is that confirmed? Or is that comic? Well, yeah, I mean, that's confirmed. what happened. So, I mean, we, we get a little bit more explanation uh, later in, in book three. But, you know, because I really didn't understand what was going on in this episode. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of all there. Like, if you were good at putting puzzle pieces together, you could have figured it out just from these flashbacks. Yeah. So, um, 
So uh, Ozai asks his father, uh, Azulon, to uh, make him next in line for the throne because he says, you know, my brother Iroh is a big fuck-up and he couldn't even invade Ba Sing Se right and he just quit the army, yeah. so he's uh, a baby, and he's uh, he's a little baby boy, and he shouldn't be <laughs> Fire Lord. Um, so you should make me Fire Lord. And then Fire Lord Azulon is like, how dare you? <laughs> That's so fucking wrong. You want me to abandon my own child. You... Well, now you have to murder your own child. Which, like... That's a good punishment. God damn. Like, holy shit. <laughs> It's a brutal society where, where honor trumps all. Um, oh my gosh. Alright, it, was, it wasn't because uh, he, he wanted him to betray his son, but it was because, you know, Iroh lost a son, so... And, now he must know, you know the pain of losing now his son. Now he must know the pain of it, you know, because how would you react if you were at war and, and Zuko died? Yeah. And so he's like, well, just kill Zuko and then you'll be even. <laughs> really good parenting, honestly. Um, yeah. Uh, so Zuko's mom basically steps in, and he doesn't die, but his mom disappears forever. Uh, and by steps in, we later find out that she she murdered Azulon. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, was banished for it. Which is kind of a forgiving punishment for, you know, literally assassinating the, uh, the ruler of the land. <laughs> yeah, the emperor. But, you know, hey, not, not my country. Uh, yeah. I, I always want. thought she was more than that. She just like ran away before she could be like banished, or whatever. I don't know. Either way, that's what. No, happened. I think she was formerly banished. I think I think she was banished formally. Yeah. Um. So you know, like we because otherwise they would be like out there looking for the murderer, and they would probably just assume that uh, Ozai did it. So you know, like while these flashbacks are sort of happening piecemeal throughout the episode, we keep cutting back to Zuko in this town, um, and. Uh, we, we also see that Uncle Iroh, um, in the past sent him a knife from Ba Sing Se that says, is it just like never give up or something like that? It was, uh, never give up without a fight. Never give up without a fight. That's what it is. And the irony is that it was given to him <laughs> by the general at Ba Sing Se who, who surrendered. surrendered. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess technically he, f- he fought a little bit maybe. <laughs> Well, I, I think the implication was that he, he was sort of a coward and sort of gave up before he had to. Yeah. And, you know, given, given that even though he surrendered, the Fire Nation still ended up losing right. and left. That's kind of sad. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so, so Zuko has this knife and um, it, he, he gives it to the kid when he goes to leave um, because the kid, uh, the night before, had sort of taken his swords to just sort of like play with and fuck around. Uh, then Zuko's like, no, here, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you. And it's like this like really nice, like humanizing moment where it's like, you know, Zuko has nothing to gain from this kid and he has no reason to like hurt him or punish him. You know, like he, he just yeah. has a nice human moment. It's good. Absolutely. It's it's a classic Shane bonding moment. It's so I mean, good. It's it's yeah. it's kind of a you know like a pet the dog moment for the villain yeah. of Zuko. Um, but yeah, if you don't know what that is, look it up on on TVTropes.com. Right. Classic website. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So so you know he bonds with this kid. 
Um, and then they find out the next day that uh, the kid's brother, who's away fighting at war, his battalion has been captured by the Fire Nation, and so the dad's gonna go to the front and try to find him. Um, and then, you know, the kid... Zuko gives the kid his knife and is like, be strong, <laughs> see you later. Uh, but then yeah. the mom finds him and is like, some crazy person gave my kid a knife and then he went and attacked the Earth, like, soldiers. Uh, oops. <laughs> I just love, I just love the line, I don't even know where he, he got the knife. <laughs> like, what kind of awful person gives a child a knife? knife? He's like, well, my uncle what gave me the knife? knife when I was a child, so. so uh, do you not give kids knives? Is that not normal? <laughs> Uh, is that not a normal thing? So the, it's just my family, which is super fucked up. <laughs> so Zuko has to go fight the Earth Kingdom bullies, uh, and he does a real good job until he gets to the Earthbender, who it's really hard to beat without firebending. And then he has one last flashback where he remembers his mom saying, always be true to yourself. And then he, like, firebands and just totally reveals his entire identity. Like, not even just, like, I'm a firebender. He's like, no, I'm the fucking crown prince of the Fire Nation. Well, because that's what this episode is about. You know, he, he gets, a like, a message in these flashbacks from his mother that's like, never forget who you are. Simba. And, you know, Simba. You know, you must take your place right. in the great circle of life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he he's abandoned who he is. He's the man with no name. And, you know, unlike the man with no name in, you know, Spaghetti Westerns, he gets to reclaim his name, reclaim his past. Even though it is something that he's ashamed of, you know, yes. he gets to say, you know, fuck you, I'm a prince. <laughs> Y'all are just paupers. <laughs> you can... You can suck it. You know, respect me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, but I love that he's taken down at the end by like just an old guy, and he's like, "I've heard of you. You're fucking banished. Like you're no prince anymore. <laughs> you know, you're a disgrace." Um, and you know, like that's what Zuko has to contend with is like, is he still the crown prince or is he something else? And yeah. you know, he ends up being rejected, obviously, by all of the townsfolk and by the kid who right. he bonded with and gets his knife thrown back in his face. Um, and then he he rolls on he out of town. Who he is? I am me. I I am me. Is, you are that's his what thing. you are. Um, I am me. Yes. And so that's that's Zuko alone, and it's sad because he's alone. Um, yeah. And we'll have to check in with him next episode because <laughs> now we gotta talk about Cora. Cora. enter what are you doing Cora? enter the negatar what the ne- it's the dark avatar but i prefer negatar oh negatar yeah I, I thought it was a play on reptar i nope. know what that was nope um all right so, Night of a Thousand Stars. Yeah. That's what we're doing, right? This is a two-parter, technically. Bolin continues to be excruciating. <laughs> um, all right. Ta- all right. Let's start with this. David, why should I like yeah. Night of a Thousand Stars? I think I made a mistake. I think this isn't the episode that I liked. <laughs> all right. Well. It was the next one. It was Harmonic Conversions is the one that I oh, liked. Oh, you liked... Uh, this one is awful. Okay. Wow. I... <laughs> I'm even more baffled now. 
because you like the right. one. Well, well, let's let's well, speed well, through this one. <laughs> we'll speed through it. All right. So, I I I forgot about the the, the Civil War was happening. Did you forget about the Civil yeah, War? I forgot about I it. I forgot about it too. And then we just cut to There's and like apparently Cora's dad is. Is out of prison? Did Cora bust her out of bust him out of prison, yeah. or did he escape? Yeah, that that or, happened, right? I don't remember any of that. Uh, and so now he's out? got like a full rebellion that gets crushed immediately. Yeah, they like ice surfboard, which is dumb, uh, and then their rebellion is immediately crushed. Well, I mean that happens at the end. I don't know. I do really like the fight right. scene between the two brothers. I felt it was really... I mean, it's well animated, but I just, like, I don't care anymore because it doesn't feel like it's related to their brotherhood anymore or, like, their childhood or anything. It's not like the, uh, you know, Azula-Zuko fight. I don't know. It's I... just two two dudes fighting, one of whom is completely evil and one of whom is completely good. I mean, like... yeah, but, like, I at least felt some, like, stakes there. A little bit. Yeah, there were stakes. Like I, like but you I knew he wasn't going to get defeated oh, there. No, I knew like, he wouldn't win. But you know the core is not even there yet. But I was, I was invested enough that I wasn't like, yeah, it's pretty okay. Let me like look at my phone while this scene drags on. Like, like it was. I think it was a well paced scene. There were stakes. I like cared enough to watch it. <laughs> like. I don't right. know. That's about as high a praise as maybe I can muster for this episode. Because right. um, everything else is just so much. There's stupid cops eating literal jelly donuts. Donuts. I can't, like... They're Varric cakes. Like, we literally just talked about two episodes that, like, deal in, like, some basic classic-ass tropes. And, like, here right. we have cops but eating... But they elevate Exactly. This is, there's no elevation to this. Like, there's no... No, it's just... Specificity. It's just you got the donut-eating bad cops, yeah. and then you got the good cops, like, you Rocko. know, and they, and they face the system, yeah. and he gets locked up in jail. You know, oh like, Bolin God. is not very sympathetic to his brother being in jail. No. He's kind of laughing it off, yeah. and he's not being supportive, nope. and, you know, he's making fun of him and, and cracking jokes, and... But then, like... Like, if this were Sokka or Katara in prison, like, they'd be freaking out. They'd be raging against the machine. Or they'd be out, like, solving the crime. Literally, they go to prison several times in Avatar. Like, when Katara gets herself captured on purpose, Sokka's like, yeah, 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 okay, your little revolution thing's not working. Let's go. I don't want you in jail. You know? And, like... Right. (laughs) When Aang gets captured, they're like, tough, help, please. And then, like, you know, later in season three, there's an episode where they end up in jail. And, like, it's a big deal. You know, like... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes you leave them in jail because you just don't want to break them out of prison. You want to, you know, get them out legally. So, but then you go out and you fucking solve the mystery. Right, that's Avatar Day. I mean, Bolin should be confronting Varric, like, immediately being like... I can't believe this, you know, right. you know, Mako's in prison for this. I mean, come on, you got to explain yourself, Varric. And then maybe Varric tries to get him arrested. I right, don't know, like something they don't, else They don't do happened. anything with the potential conflict that this causes. They're just like, no, yeah, don't worry about Mako for a bit. Because um, they had the fucking mover <laughs> premiere or whatever. And at right. the premiere, Bolin is like, I'm sad because Team Avatar is gone. And I'm like, has right, it... Right, it's not even the right thing to be sad about. Right, like, 
Like, also... Like, there's nothing sad about friends being in different places doing different things. Right. What he should be upset about is, like, the fact that fame is empty and, like, he's not actually helping the, the causes that he wants to help. Or, right. you know, the fact that, you know, he doesn't know who to trust anymore when they say that they love him because now he's a star. You know, something to do with him rather than, like, oh, I miss Cora. Because... <laughs> <laughs> And I miss you because you're... I miss you, Asami, because you're, you're doing business. Like, she's <laughs> like, going to be doing business. I, I love that the fucking writers, like, didn't even try to pretend like they've given Asami anything to do this season. And they're just <laughs> right, like, yeah, that's a good point. business lady stuff. And she's like, mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do business stuff. so much business stuff. It's like... I'm totally not just chilling, listening to the, to the radio and reading books. <laughs> right. It's not... That's not what I'm doing off screen. Ugh, it's just... <laughs> like, what business? She doesn't have any assets. Yeah, it's dumb. Um, but then, you know, there's some goons who sneak in and beat up the donut cops so that they can kidnap the president. But Bolin sees them, and he stops, and they fight in the pro-bending arena, because that's, that's where the mover premiere is, I guess. Right. Um... And, like, they fight, and Bolin wins, and it's like, real life is mirroring the mover. Mirroring the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it's trying to say. It is really cool, like, visually, to see, you know, like, his, Bolin's lines and his attacks lining up with Nuktuk's in the propaganda films right behind him, and he's fighting off, you know... Re- real bad guys right. while and, you know they're fighting fake ones and i'll say this i forgot how this scene ended so at first i thought oh cool this is gonna be another way like i that you know sure the plot to capture the president was foiled but like hey nuktuk literally just saved the president from these northern rebels right. like let's do it let's go to war right now but they immediately throw away that possibility by just having yeah it's very bizarre the guy be like oh no ver sent me and like the cops somehow simultaneously know at that moment and like arrest <laughs> yeah him. lynn's just already there going like where do you think you're going <laughs> and it's like well i yeah. was gonna leave because there's an attack from a terrorist. I don't know why everybody else isn't leaving. Yeah. Uh, this is very bizarre. There should be mass chaos, and I should be able to escape in the fray. But apparently you've targeted me because you already know that I was planning this attack somehow. Somehow. That's never uh, explained, literally, ever. Um, but then the worst scene is after this, <laughs> yeah. when the fucking yeah. uh, president yeah. and Lynn are talking... And he's like, you've got a great officer on your hands. And she's like, he's one of the best. And I'm like, great. That's why he's rotting in prison? Like... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's happening. It's like what? they, it's like they're just pretending that the last three episodes didn't happen. So it's just going like, uh, I can't believe no one saw it coming. And it's like, actually, my, my officer Mako told me about it repeatedly, and I ignored him. And, then and like the president, the president's like, you've got a great officer, yeah. and I'm never gonna blame you for your gross negligence at not following his leads. Right. And then she says, thank you. He's my favorite officer, which is why I left him in jail on false charges and yelled at him and ignored him the entire season it's like it's like you just have to blink and go did everyone else in horror get amnesia 
Like, the amnesia, <laughs> yeah, they did. Because the amnesia sure hasn't affected Cora at all, but it seems. To yes, have, it has. No, speaking I mean, speaking of an amnesia and Cora, okay, this is the only reason that the fucking amnesia is in there, and it's to create shipping drama. Literally, this entire episode is it's a fucking just to create shipping wreck. drama. Because okay, so Cora comes yeah. back. They, like, fly in on the fucking bison, and Mako's there, and she's like, Mako! And then, like, instantly makes out with him, and Asami's like, oh, what the fuck? (laughs) And Mako says, nothing. Like, he's like... And she's like, I forgot that we broke up. (laughs) And And he's like, uh, don't you remember what happened before you left? And she's like, no, not really. I got an ouchy bonkers head. Oops. (laughs) <laughs> and Mako's and she's So like, like do you also not remember that you were arguing and fighting for the entire season David, before that? David. Like how far back do you forget? David, here are the two reasons that Mako is trash and I will never get over it. One Okay. Asami's right fucking there and they're like for real dating and he says nothing. Two, he was the one who broke up with Cora. And, like, why is he protecting her feelings suddenly? Like, what? It's not like she forgot that, like, she broke up with him. And so he's like... Well, that would make him, like, a bigger scumbag, wouldn't it? I I mean, mean, maybe... No, I don't... I don't know. It's... Neither way is good. But, like... No, be, I'm not saying either way is good, like but I mean, if, a, if she got got mad at you, he'd be a bigger and then sh- she broke up with you and then forgot about it and you didn't tell right. her, like, that'd be you being a big All scumbag. Right, this a, is him being just a confusing, awkward, like, yes. Dorcas who can't figure out how to talk to women. Yes, he is the worst, and it's bad. Yeah. Um, and, oh, God. It's really bad. Like, that's the whole reason she gets amnesia, is to just temporarily create shipping drama. And it's it's the worst use of amnesia in modern television. Prove me wrong. Debate me. Do it. Tweet at us. <laughs> I want tweets. <laughs> oh my god. He's like the literal definition of a fuckboy. I just can't. Um, He's a fuckboy. Alright. I like how Cora shows up and is like, Listen, I know that before I left, I was saying that you have to invade the Southern Water Tribe because there are terrorists. I was wrong about the terrorists. Instead, there's a crazy person looking to unleash a demon on the world that's going to eat everybody. Please believe me. And then the president goes, fuck no. (laughs) Why would I believe that when I just got attacked and it turned out to be a false flag operation by a a rich capitalist that you were friends with? Um, So I'm glad that they didn't have him like suddenly believe Cora. That would be weird. (laughs) Yeah. Um, God, it's just, it's so bad. Uh, Then we, we visit Varric in prison so that he can give them. Who's still the king. He's great. He's so good in He's prison. still the king. Um, I, I, I do love the, like, you know, they're sort of taking on, like, prison profiteering a little bit here. Like, his company yeah, just barely. owns... Like, they, they nod at it. They're like, yeah, people do this. Yeah. They don't really comment on it at all. But they also don't comment no. on anything at all, really. But it's just, like, Varric built the prison, and then he ends up locked in it. And he's got, and like, so a he gets rich the, the nice guy, you know, the really rich, sweet... Yeah. Um, and he gets Julie with him. There's a lot of great Julie jokes in this little bit here, where he named the battleship Julie. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's there's some. It's good a great stuff. name for a ship. It's a great. They're both uh, <laughs> what is it? Cold-hearted killing machines. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Joke. Um, so it's really just an easy plot convenience, and it's like, why are you still really trusting Varric? You know. Well, they're not. They're just taking his shit and going. I guess. I mean, I I think I think it's a great scene because it it's. You know, like, Varric is just the best villain yeah. in Legend of Korra yes. by, like, a million miles. Yes. And that's kind of sad, but at the same time, he's just really good because he has complex motivations. I mean, it's still his home. Yeah. And it's still an opportunity for him to get wealthy. Right. You know, and it's still, like... And he's likable. He's also... Uh, he's very likable and very charming, and it's totally believable that Cora would still trust him. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Despite all he's done, I which mean, is basically but... just frame Mako for murder, and he goes through the list of all the good <laughs> things he did for everybody, and it's great. It's yeah. like Cora, who helped you rally the troops? Asami, who saved your company? Mako, who got you locked up in prison? Oh wait, that was a bad. Thing. <laughs> Yeah. He's just the king. He's, he's the fucking king. That's great. all he is. Um, so the episode ends with the fight between Unalak and uh, whatever Korra's dad's name is. Tonrock? Yeah, or something. Some dumb. Dumb name? <laughs> uh, and uh, then it immediately goes into the next episode, Harmonic Convergence, where plot... Which which I like. I Cannot I think it's the best. I think it's the best episode of uh, Korra this season. I mean, it's not a great season. <laughs> the bar is really low. <laughs> um, the bar is extremely low, but it's hashtag boomy time, oh man. And I'm gonna put that in the description of the episode, and you can't stop me. Uh, it's hashtag boomy time. <laughs> okay, boomy does some great shit. I will agree with you there that's what it's about uh, that's what the whole episode is okay if the episode was just boomy i would agree with you unfortunately you've uh encountered some <laughs> amnesia uh because maybe. maybe i'm right there with cora where i can't remember our, our bad breakup yeah. harmonic convergence okay, I... we we never <laughs> broke up at all harmonic convergence we're, we're still we're still tight, thick as thieves yeah let's make out um so <laughs> so I, can we talk about, like, the way that Korra does shit with war versus the way, like, Avatar handles war? Because they feel wildly different. Well, yeah, I mean, part of it is just that the Fire Nation actually feels like a plausible threat, whereas this is just, like, a guy and, like, six of his pals taking over <laughs> one city in the South Pole. Um, yes. <laughs> like... <laughs> but like, it's not a very good threat. But like, here's the thing: Avatar has made me feel more pathos for like a village full of people being like yeah. abused, either by the Fire Nation or you yeah. know, like even just to go back to Zuko alone, like this poor village being like terrorized by these like bullies, basically. Right, and it's just yeah, it's just ravaged by war in general. Right, like not even the quartering soldiers thing. It's just. They're poor now. Right, like, you get a, a sense of the effect that this war is actually having on people. Whereas, like, yeah. they try to do that in Korra, where it's like, they get there, and they're like, Katara's with the injured. So many 
injured. And then it's like a bunch of dudes in bandages just kind of like <laughs> lying around. And you're like, oh, okay, they seem fine. <laughs> you know, like, right. like there's not even like someone like crying over their dad in the corner, which like would be very. Like throw Katara in jail. <laughs> like fucking get, have the balls. I know. To just throw Katara in jail and have her be like, you fucking taint, you taint and just like yelling at, no, at Unalak and just being like you sully the name they, of the northern water tribe they fucking need uh what's her face katara so that she can yeah. continue to heal Janora while she's off in the spirit realm or whatever yeah well i my advo- i'm just advocating for them not doing that at all because yeah. it's really stupid it's she apparently dumb. hasn't hasn't Eaten. been awake for a week yeah does she does she eat or drink? Or... How how does she eat or drink without a brain? Um, is a soul different from a brain? Yeah. Can she swallow? Can, does she go to the bathroom? What is so happening? So many questions that don't need to be week. asked. <laughs> and apparently if she stays away too long, then her body dies. But why? I don't understand. Right. She got to keep her chakra flowing. What? I don't know. I don't know. know. I don't care. It's stupid. It's dumb. Um, so, you know, <laughs> Katara, or not Katara, Cora tries to do a rescue, but ends up in jail with her dad. And she's like, I'm sorry, dad. And he's like, it's okay. I'm sorry, too. And then they're like chill well aren't we skipping like a huge action scene uh is it or am i thinking of this in the wrong order well doesn't like Cora get captured first and then oh no you're right that is part of the action scene so yeah so yeah so what happens next is they're on this boat and they're like all right you know what they'll never expect an attack from above and i don't know why they think that i don't know why like clearly i planes are invented already every attack comes from above and why would you attack from the sea they are waterbenders the only effective attack would be from above of course they'll be expecting it my brain explodes what is this it's dumb they fly in from a plane uh Bowling. But it's super cool. I mean, they're like launching these like earthbending bombs and detonating them, That's and true. they're hanging off of the planes. And Asami has something to do because uh, she's flying the plane. And goddamn, is it badass! I, I I really dig it. It's weird that they never use the the bendable bombs again. Do they never? I don't know why. I can't think of a time where they use it after this. I mean, it seems like basically they just bend the bombs over there and then hit the detonation thing yeah. and they go, Pow! and it's like, well, you basically turned every earthbender into a firebender with that move right. um, and a really fucking powerful firebender at that. Uh-huh. But I guess you just don't feel like using it again because <laughs> it would kill people. <laughs> um, oh man. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So then that happens. Uh, Cora flies in. Yeah, but you don't think that's a cool scene? You don't think that's a cool cool action? I don't know. It was fine. I wasn't wildly invested in it because it was, right. you know, it's destined for failure. They have to fail. Right. Um, of course. Like, like, it was fine. Like, I think there was some inventive stuff in there, but you're right. None of it, I guess, yeah. gets carried through anywhere. Um, Boomy right. gets forced off of the Sky Bison, whose name is Oogie, I guess. I always forget that until they say it, ever. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they, they've said it a couple times. Right, but, yeah, like, Ugi. Ugi's so much of a not character at all. <laughs> Again, oh, no, yeah, I mean, he's same, not a character. If, you're, you're right. If, it's not Appa. Yeah, no. in the same way that, like, Naga's not a character. And, like, in the beginning of the episode, they literally, like, bye, Naga! <laughs> like, we're off to go fly to a portal. Bye. Later, you can't come. Um... <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, you have a giant bison that follows commands. I don't. That's kind of an asset. Yeah, but it's, I guess don't use it because you don't want to. It's, it's whatever. But um, it is. So yeah, I don't know. They they try to rescue her dad. It doesn't work. They all get captured, and you know, as sort of as a joke. They're and is like, that when Unalong starts talking about being a dark avatar for the first time? Probably. But, what, is, oh, what is up with this I don't know. idea? He, he also comes in and, like, monologues <laughs> at them about, like, so much shit that he just, like, literally shouldn't be able to know. You know? Like what? Like, how does he know anything about Avatar 1? Like, if this was a thing that people knew about, wouldn't, like, Korra have, like... He talks to the spirits. I mean, the spirits know. Oh, shit. that's he, true. He's been talking he to have, Vatu, he, who was there. He's. I guess he's been talking to Vatu, and I guess he also has the like knowledge spirit, uh, Wang Shitong, in his in his pocket. Yeah. So, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I, I believe I that he would know that. I just I don't know why it. he would want to be a dark avatar. I don't know. Like, I don't know what that means or why that's a good thing. Or why he would want that, or why he's okay with 10,000 years of darkness. Right, and he keeps saying, like, (laughs) we must bring the world back into balance with evil. And it's like, that doesn't sound balanced. Like, this is Fox News. It sounds like like you want to destroy light. (laughs) Yeah, like... like, Yeah, it's Fox News fair and balanced. Like, is it really balanced? I don't know. Sounds fake, but okay. Um, Right. He's just a raving lunatic at this point. Like, he's... like. They keep trying yeah, to pretend. But it's fun. They keep trying to pretend that he is like real reasons for doing this, but he doesn't. You know, it's just like the plot demands that I am super evil, so now I right. do it. Um, there was a th- yeah, a th- but so yeah. now we're getting to the part that I actually like about this episode, which I mean, I really like it. Boomy. I think it's really excellent. It's a good character moment. It's boomy. Because uh, he's been talking basically since we've met him with all these fantastical stories about, you know, oh, I defeated the entire army with just me and a couple hog monkeys. I, you know, I, I faced the galloping hordes, a hundred bad guys with swords. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. But yeah, now we get to finally like see him in action and he does his best work when there's nobody else around because then crazy shit can happen. Right. So he falls out of the sky. He uh, is attacked by a spirit, and he Tames all it. he has is his trusty flute. <laughs> and he, so he plays the flute, he and he tames the bitch. spirit. Yeah, which, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that's something that we've seen yeah. before, is music taming a, a ferocious monster. Oh, yeah. And, and I love the follow-through on this, where, you know, later right. he's disguised in the camp, uh, and, you know, yeah. he tries the, to do the trick again and tame the other evil spirits wandering around the camp. And it just doesn't work and at all. And they're all just like, fuck your flute, not into this. <laughs> and they just Right, which him. makes sense. Like, it, would, it wouldn't work on every spirit. He just got lucky and found the one spirit who could be tamed with music. Yeah, I feel like... Uh, probably a music spirit. Like, that's Boomy's 
uh, whole MO is that he's just really lucky. And that, like, even when things go yeah, wrong he's... for him, like, the, it ends up succeeding. Which is basically what his entire yeah, rest is. Yeah, he has all the luck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect. He just rolled a natural it's 20. It's totally true to his... Yeah, he, yeah, he's got uh, Felix Felices or whatever. He's got the mm-hmm. magic juice uh, that makes him lucky. And, uh, yeah, so he tames them, and then he finds uh, Naga, and uh, Naga actually does something for once. <laughs> and so he ends up getting chased by the spirits into one of the mecha tanks, and he accidentally destroys the whole camp just with that me- mecha tank. That's great. Um... And it's, it's, it's a really intense scene. The music's going crazy. It's all this jazz, you know, yeah. over-the-top jazz music. Um, his voice actor is really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know who he is, but, I mean, he's got that, you know, kind of old man sort of quavering uh, mixed with the dramatic sort of 1940s line reads. <laughs> um, and it, it just works. And then he busts in, he slides in, it's just him strapped to a chair. <laughs> and... And there he is, and Naga's there too, and they've saved, <laughs> they've saved everyone the who was locked up in the same tent. Yep. It's fantastic. It's great. And and I love it because there's also, you know, as sort of like a, uh, earlier in the episode, um, sort of like a Hail Mary, they're kind of like, well, at least Boomy might be out there somewhere, but everyone's kind of like, oh, but what could Boomy do? And then, you know... <laughs> Exactly. He he's this. a non-bender. He doesn't have a weapon. He's he's got nothing. He's, right. He's nobody, but he's got that he's got that plus twenty roll. David, role. David, do you know um, why this scene works when so many others why? that are supposed to be like this don't? Because none of the other characters are in it. <laughs> um, sure, that's part of it. Uh, but there's an actual okay. subversion of expectation that's not like a cheap trick. It's like They set up. Yeah, that makes sense. They set up an actual expect. You know, like the whole season, we've been told, like, yeah, Boomy, you tell these tall tales. You're not that competent. Like, you're fine, but like, you're not. You you can handle like a real threat. You know. And then here he is, sort of crazily and in his own style, doing it. But he does it nonetheless, and we're all like, hell yeah. Like you did it. We're proud of you. We we got to witness this moment and see your triumph and see you subvert everyone's expectations and our own expectations were subverted. And there's like catharsis in that. And that's why this scene is good. Exactly. <sighs> it's very cathartic. I agree I agree with that. And it is a subversion of expectations that works uh but, you know, then we're back to, like, the the bullshit. And, yeah. you know, of course it's bullshit. Like, Unalak does, uh, you know, Vatu gets released, and, you know, Vatu does not have a good evil laugh, even. No. So, I mean, how are we supposed to connect to this film without a good evil laugh? Yeah. There's just, you can't do it. Also, you need a good evil they, laugh. like, rush into the spirit world, and they're like, um, what happens if, like, you get knocked out, Korra? And she's like, see you on the other side! <laughs> Like, there's no plan B. The the plan is just, nope, we just have to succeed. We have to do it. Like, let's go. Well, to be fair, that's super fair. Like, if Korra dies, like, the whole universe should probably end anyway. Right, um, but, like, you know, I feel like it's the sort of thing where, like, if Aang was in that position, he would be like, if something happens to me, like, 
run, you know, and then that would be a moment for the characters to be able to step in and say, no, Aang, we're with you in this fight to the end and like rededicate themselves to it. But there's no even chance for that in Korra, which like maybe it's a little bit cliche, but yeah, but part of that's due to the plot. I mean, she's the only one who can open the portals for some reason. I mean, it's, it's a ridiculous overpowered power that makes her way more important than she needs to be. Yeah, you know? I don't know. It's just, it's just to me, maybe I just don't like that. That, like, she's literally the only person that can fix this problem. And, like, there's, right. like, yeah, I don't know. It just, it seems too simplistic, almost, you know? Like, technically anyone could kill the Fire Lord, but, like, there's a reason that it right. should be Aang, you know? Um, right. I mean, they literally have that whole discussion. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> well, we'll get there. But yeah, I mean, this just isn't a good. No, it's just not it's, good. Yeah. And then that, now the world's purple, I guess. Yeah, the world's purple. Um, it's a the purpling of Earth. It's literally the like most anticlimactic, like evil Earth scenario, like ever. Basically. Well, that wasn't that wasn't even the evil Earth. I don't think. Right. That was just harmonic convergence makes the world purple. Oh yeah, all purple and then green, shiny Northern Lights but everywhere. Right. Um, it's 10,000 years of purple. And Aurora Borealis <laughs> located in your backyard at this point in time. At this time of year. <laughs> May I see it? <laughs> um, yes. But also, like, Cora just, like, literally sat there and, like, watched it happen. And I'm like, you couldn't, like, close one of the gates or something? You know? Like, I, I don't know if that would have worked. I mean, she tried to close the gate, but then harmonic convergence happened. I, I think harmonic convergence is different than gates. I, think I don't it's know. But, like, it seems... Magic 10,000-year portal thing. But I feel like it only hap- could happen if the gates were open, and that's why Unalak was like, Yes, open the gates! I don't know. Um, Maybe. But anyway, she tried to close the gate. She just couldn't. Yeah. She she failed. Like, she fails at everything. <sighs> Um, God. What is, can you explain to me what is the connection between the spirit world and vines? I've I never know. understood this. Where does that come from? I mean, it just seems like it just comes out of nowhere. It literally comes out of nowhere. It's not a well baked out idea. Nothing is it about the spirit world. Supposed to be a reference world. to the swamp? I don't know. Like, is it just because like... the swamp wasn't even vines? It was a big tree. I know. It... It might... There were no actual living vines in the magic swamp. My thought is that vines are this somewhat threatening uh, form of nature. Um, you know, like they can yeah. surround things and, and they wanted it to feel like a threat, but they also wanted it to feel like all spirit natural. spirit trees are like a thing. Yeah. Like in mythology, spirit yes. trees. If they had been growing like trees places, I mean, I'd be on board. Spirit trees vines? are literally a thing in Avatar <laughs> and Korra. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, f- yeah, for one. But I mean, you don't have to reuse your assets. But, but they literally spirit have trees the, are like, a thing in the fucking spirit tree of life that Vatu's trapped in. Like you have a spirit right, tree. which is supposed to bind the the human world and the spirit world together. Like it's in the middle of so, a giant yin yang. Like I don't know what you. So maybe want. The, maybe it's not vines. Maybe they're actually roots, roots but they no, look like vines. They're vines. It's it's. Uh, they should be roots. It's poorly thought out. And there should out. be like a second 
fucking tree or something like that grows on that. Whatever. So much of Korra just like runs off of rule of cool, especially this season, where it's like, what's the most dramatic thing that could happen? Or what's the like, quote unquote, coolest thing that could happen? Let's do that. And like, just sort of disregards how much sense it actually makes for like character yeah. development. What if there's an evil avatar? Or what if it's the ten thousand year you right. know, doom festival? Genora's what if it's, like a you know... Jesus-y chosen one, which we'll get right. to. But like we'll get there. Ugh. But there, you know, what? We, first we got to find Genora, and that's what uh, th- that's what uh, the the adults are doing while yeah. all this is going on. Yeah. And they uh, they end up in the fog of lost souls. Does that happen in the this one? The fog, isn't that in this one? I think that's the next one. Oh, that is the next one. I'm sorry, I have my notes kind of mixed up. I think. <laughs> sorry. Where's Asami and Naga during all this? Asami takes um, someone back to somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> just get her out of here. She poses no threat. Uh, the writers are just entirely disinterested in Asami this season. They're like, oh yeah, I guess we have to do some stuff with her because we made her kind of important last season, but um, fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. She'll kiss Mako a couple times, get her company stolen out from under her. Uh, it's just, just nothing for Asami. Just get her out of yeah. here. So, how does this episode even end? It it ends with harmonic convergence, I'm pretty sure. And like, so it's just the world turns purple and then cut to black. I, I think I don't I don't have it specifically in my notes, and I can't remember for the life of me. Like it's me so neither. unmemorable. Boo. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Very frustrating. Oh this. God, I cannot wait for like there to be decent Cora episodes again. Yeah, we're almost there, don't worry. I just, you know, like, I don't even need them to be good. I just need them to be better just than this. Just not season two. <laughs> but, I mean, this was the best episode of the season. I think you and I should just go through and cut out all of the good parts from season two of Korra, which will be very It'll just few. be Varric the show. It's just Varric, a couple of fight scenes... And then, like, Boomy rescuing everyone. And, like, that'll be the whole season. And we'll see if it's a That's better show. That's the whole show. season. And I bet it is. Even with no <laughs> other context. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really think it's the best episode of the season. Because it's not bogged down by a ton of pacing issues. I think it's actually, like, well-paced. Um, I and don't it, know, you know if it's well-paced. Like, it's certainly frantically paced. Fast-paced. Yeah, it's, like, fast-paced. Yeah. Which is more than can be said for the previous episode which just like it's just not you know cutting back and forth between a bunch of different things or holding for a really long time on you know stuff that doesn't matter or flashing back to the beginning of time for no reason it's just it's in the present it's accomplishing what we need to accomplish everyone's together get separated at one point and then they reunite and then they go to face the thing and then it ends on a cliffhanger i mean that's good pacing yep 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 i'll give it that um God. Yeah. Hey, but we're on a we're on a cliffhanger, Cora. man. The harmonic convergence is here. We're on a cliffhanger. The purpling has begun. And it's it's great because next next episode we get to finish Cora season two. Amazing. It's done. It's almost there's, done. There's C- only it couldn't two possibly more. get worse than and this, could it? Great. 
<laughs> it couldn't get worse than this, could it? Oh, could no! It? no! Um, yeah. All right, catch you next time, fellas, lady fellas.